Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times of ours. And in today's episode, I'm going to do a solo cast, everybody. Yeah, that's right. You heard. It's going to be me. And I wanted to take you through a bit of history about what the high noon virtues are, where they came from, but not only that, how you can practically implement them in your life. I, If I could put all my money, if I had to, I'm not saying I want to, but if I had to gamble and say, what is the one kind of philosophy of high noon that will yield the most results for individuals and for our high noon movement as a whole? It is the high noon virtues. Everything comes back to people practicing those because when you do, life becomes easier. When you do practice those high noon virtues and they become inculcated and normalized in your life, then you want to do destructive things less and less and less until you just don't want to do them at all. Why? Because you're fulfilled. Because you want to spend your time and energy doing the things that you are meant to do on this earth. So please listen up. It's not going to be an easy listen to because it's just me, right? Unless you love the sound of my voice and you're part of the 0.0000001% of the population who actually loves the soothing sound of my voice. In everybody else's case, it's going to be a little bit of like going to the gym and exercising, but it's a fundamental listen. Please listen to this in its entirety. It will help you. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Nice to see you again. It's been a while since I recorded a podcast, to be honest. Those other podcasts... I kind of recorded in a in a fury of inspiration and it all just kind of worked out. And since then I've been traveling like a madman. My passport, I swear to you, some people, if they were to look at all the stamps in my passport, they would think that I'm either related to Jason Bourne um, or I'm running away from something. You know, to be honest, when I try not to tell, you know, too many people my my life story and what I'm up to because it's really confounding to most people. But um, I find that there are two very different reactions to when people find out how much I travel by myself and with my family and simultaneously. Like right now I'm in Vietnam, but with my family and we're living here, but I'm also traveling this weekend to the Philippines for an event. Then I'm coming back to Vietnam, which is not my home, but it kind of is for a little bit. And then I'm going to, the next weekend, go to Malaysia for another event. So I'm traveling by myself while I'm traveling with my family. How does that make sense? I don't know. I don't know that it needs to make sense. I'm just following what is the most obvious next choice for me and for my family. So, but in and amongst all this traveling, I've honestly, it's been hard to keep up with certain things. Um, so that's why I'm always planning ahead and planning for chaos because chaos always seems to find me, but I'm ready for it. So in terms of this podcast, I wanted to swing back and first of all, acknowledge the fact that this is a solo cast. So ease into your chair, find a nice beverage. Let's talk real slow for a bit. Let's, I would like to, for you to find a nice beverage, warm or cold or tepid. It's up to you. You could have a lukewarm coffee. In this day and age, you could have an icy cold coffee, a steaming hot coffee, or a tepid coffee. 
Now, the real question is with coffee drinkers out there, is a hot coffee that you forgot to drink and is now cold really an iced coffee or are you just lazy? The answer is out there somewhere. So find yourself a beverage and let's get into it because I personally have been having so many conversations with people in the flesh, live. I mean, that sounds weird when you say in the flesh. It doesn't mean that we're naked people. Don't think like that, okay? It means face-to-face, but also online. It's the nature of what we do here at Ainun. We're a people organization. We're connected as a means of helping people heal, right? And so in, in our work, we find ourselves in all varieties of conversations. I'm talking about people crying because they're so happy, because they're so sad, people who are out of touch with their emotions, people who are really angry with us for some reason. We have, we have the spectrum of conversations. But one thing that I keep on going back to in all varieties of conversations that I'm having are the five high noon virtues. At the risk of sounding like an old man on a rocking chair, repeating myself ad nauseum, I have to clarify the importance of these five Hainan virtues, guys. So that's what I want to do today. But stick with me, okay? Don't just click off your radio dial, listeners. (laughs) I'm sure half of you have never even heard the radio because you're so young. But stick around. Stick around for... for I'll make it personal, okay? I'm going to really make this personal how these high noon virtues um, can be applied in your day-to-day life. Very, very fundamental and important. If you want a life of peace, like we all say that we want a better world and yet we can't put down our phones. So how does that work, right? Oh, somehow we need to stop wars over in that country and yet I hate myself. How does that work? It's incompatible. You have to be able to create some semblance of inner peace, some habit of connection with yourself, with God, and with other people that gives you meaningful fulfillment that allows you to make good choices if you ever want to contribute to this world in meaningful ways, okay? So before I get into the details of these of these hiding virtues and just kind of unpack them a little bit, I want to give you a little bit of history because they're somewhat of a, an enigma how they came to be these five virtues. You see, not so long ago, aka long ago, who knows, it's like four years. In this day and age, four years is a thousand lifetimes. Like things change so fast. But I would say four or five years ago, um, these high noon virtues did not exist. But they just, I was doing a lot of research on what it is that are the key elements that allow somebody in our high noon world to go from completely bewildered. They have no idea why they do the things that they do. They don't. They wake up and they say, you know what? Today, I am not going to watch porn. And then at some point in the day, they totally watch porn. So they woke up one way, clearly, I'm going to be this person. And at some point in the day, they took a sharp left turn and ended up in some dangerous dark forest. They're getting eaten by pythons or whatever, right? This is madness. And so I wanted to understand how you go from that state to a state where you actually can choose how you live and you can make choices based on who you want to be 
and that you don't settle for a lesser life, a lesser version of yourself. And what I found were certain patterns that the people who were exiting a life of slavery to porn, to masturbation, to habits that are destroying their lives, to these self-destructive loops that they were in, how they could exeunt, make an exeunt, like a mass exodus from there to a life of freedom, they needed certain qualities. And these qualities I saw in every single one of these people. And so I boiled these down to five virtues. And I was very careful to use the word virtue, by the way, because values to me growing up, I didn't grow up religious and anything to do with Christianity. It just smelt of gross, kind of like you're trying to pitch me something and I don't want that thing, whatever it is that you're trying to pitch. And so values, like we, we're all about values here. I, I want to make sure that our values are real, nice and clean and precious and pure, right? It's that kind of feeling. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. so I wanted to make sure that it's something less imposing, like values are here we are and this is how we're going to live and you're kind of forced to live like this within these parameters, within this these limited kind of views. Whereas a virtue is something that you champion. It's something that fills you up with fire. It's like something worth fighting for. And so the five virtues, and I again, I was very, I wanted it to be virtues and I, I fought for that, were they really came out of that place where looking for patterns, looking for themes, like to help everybody in our world to get clear on what it is that equates to success. Because there's a lot of things that you can do out there that will definitely lead to failure. But what can clearly, you know, distinctly lead you to success in your goals, in life in general? And it's these five virtues, I'm telling you. And so I remember pitching these to Sammy and he was like, yeah, good enough, cool. He, I think he, he likes to debate, just by the way. Sammy loves to debate because we have, we're different people and he's got strong opinions, I've got strong opinions. So he must have been very preoccupied with something else because it just kind of just got a, like, yeah, yeah, okay, these five virtues, fine. No contention. And then we just started saying them. And then Uncle David and Mitzway, I remember, heard them and they're like, yeah, fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then at one point, I remember Uncle Dave saying, hey, wait a second. So why do we have these five <laughs> virtues? Like, where did they come from? And then I had to kind of explain to him. And then he was like, but I, do, I don't know if I agree with them. And then we had this debate. And then it turns out we all agreed with them. And then we started putting them on banners. Now, listen, I am not a banner person. I am not. I will come out of the banner closet and let you all know that I'm not a banner. I, I was a pastor two times. And in those two tours of duty that I did of pastoring, I was highly resistant to printing out these giant sheets of paper or plastic for seconds worth of use just for a picture. Because in this day and age, you can just digitally put a banner in the picture. It's called Photoshop. Now AI could do it. I'm sure you could just tell a robot, hey, robot, put a banner in this picture and I'll do it. But anyway, we, <laughs> we eventually succumbed and or succumbed i don't know how to say that but and we made ourselves a banner and it had the five hindman virtues on them and that was like that was our statement to the world because it wasn't like this is what we think you should do these five virtues are what we will fight tooth and claw 
for ourselves in our own life here at High Noon and as a staff together. Like, if we are out of integrity, we have no power as an organization. If we are not accountable to each other, we, we lose trust and we can't get anything done. So it's a matter of really like survival, you know? So we, we put these things on a poster. And by the way, this poster almost ruined my life. So we were traveling with this stinking banner, you know, throughout Europe. I remember very clearly our first tour of Europe. We did something like 26 communities in 19 countries over the course of two months, right? And we had to take this banner everywhere with us. And on every flight, it was fine. But then finally, on one of our flights, and I don't want to say which countries because I don't want to start a war, but it was, you know, nearing the Scandinavias. Let's just say that. It was kind of in and around that area. Um, they said, oh, you can't bring that on the plane. You got to check that. And we we're like, no, no, no. And so they're like, no, no, you can't check that. And, and I'm not a person that can just take rules. So I was like, we have been taking it on planes around this continent and it's been fine. And they were like, no, you can't. I'm like, but no, you're saying you can't, but we did. And I just started losing it. And Uncle David and Mitsue saw the Dr. Jekyll. No, Mr. Hyde is the bad guy, right? They saw my Mr. Hyde coming out and they were like, oh boy, I thought you were Canadian. I didn't know you guys had that. And I was like, yep, we all got that in Canada. We just usually leave it in the hockey arena. You know, you just punch somebody's face and then you go back to saying, thanks about that, eh? So, uh, this banner, caught, like I, I started freaking out anyway, but I apologize and you know, whatever. And then everybody kind of made fun of me, I, whatever. But this banner was our statement and it was like, it was our rally cry, you know, a manifesto, which is like, this is who we are, this is what we stand for. This is our war and it's these virtues, okay? So that's a little bit of history. But please understand, and I know this is in our talks, but please take it into account that the way that most of you perceive yourselves is in a binary, I am this or I'm not this. So in all of the virtues, most people feel a certain way and they think that it's absolute. So with honesty, most people feel like, yeah, I'm a pretty honest person. Or they say, no, I'm not that honest. I'm a big fat liar. What? Right? But very few people view it through the lens of, yes, my honesty muscle is pretty strong, but it could use some more exercise. And that's the key. That's the magic here is that if you see these five high noon virtues through the lens of fitness, through the lens of them being muscle groups that merely need practice and exercise. They need stretching. They need exercise. They need all the things that your physical muscles need. Um, then that's super helpful. And let me kind of, let, let's start with honesty, okay? When you are really working your honesty muscle out a lot and it's really strong and well-defined, then it is so easy to tell the truth even if it's an awkward truth to tell. Okay, so if you've made a mistake, you can't hide that from somebody. You have to, if, if you, um, you know, break somebody's favorite vase or vase. Why did I choose that word? That's the most divisive word ever. I don't know how to say it. Vase, 
I would say vase, but it sounds pretentious. Vase, whatever. You break somebody's precious thing <laughs> and, it, and they, nobody's around. It could easily have been a cat or something, but when your honesty muscle is, is really strong and you're flying high, then you have to tell the person that you broke their vase or vase. Okay? But if it's really weak, you can hear the justification voices loudly. When you're weak and there's like atrophy in that muscle, there's like, well, I don't have to. And you start to believe those voices. Oh, they'll never know it's me. And it's not that big of a deal. The justification is strong. So that's a really good rubric for understanding how you're doing in that muscle group is to know if your justification is stronger than your righteousness. If your righteousness is so strong and it's like shouting at you, right? Your conscience, your doing the right thing is so loud and your justification is just a whisper, that means that muscle group is doing really well. So day to day, to look at yourself, to look at yourself honestly and to say to yourself and to God through prayer, have honest conversations with yourself and with God. You can do that simultaneously, by the way, through prayer, is looking and reflecting at the areas of your life that are working well and the parts of, of your life that you're really uncomfortable with or you don't understand or you're frustrated with and you like to work on. When you have these kind of conversations, it's super clarifying. But it's dishonest to not look at your life or to say, I'm too weak to control my situation or all that. These are all in the realm of justification just prolonging the pain, okay? So one way to, to practically implement honesty is to take a look at yourself, to have conversations with yourself and with God, ideally through prayer, and then you start looking at the different areas of your life that you really care about, and you have an honest conversation. And it's not, let's say fitness. A lot of people are not happy with their level of fitness. They feel out of shape. They don't like looking at their bodies. And so they either think, oh, well, that's just the way I am. That's not true. That's the way you've become, but you're not stuck like that. Nobody's stuck in a certain state. They can, we're dynamic beings. We can constantly evolve and change. So to just justify it and say, well, there's nothing I can do or it's too hard or whatever, not good enough. You'll never be happy. But if you can honestly say, this is where I'm at, I'm not happy, but I would like to be happier. Then you can move on to accountability. These are all kind of connected and progressive. So honesty leads to some sort of accountability, asking people, telling somebody in your life, I'm not happy with the way that I look and I would like to change. I would like to exercise more. I would like to start a diet or whatever, I'd change my habits. You tell somebody and now you're connecting honesty with accountability. Okay, very practical. Honesty is also essential in relationships, okay? And that, it doesn't mean just telling somebody that you don't like them, hey, I think you're stupid. That's not really honesty because that's just your opinion in that moment. Honesty also requires some, some level of self-awareness to know, is this my honest, deep feeling or is it just a, an honest passing feeling that's a reaction? Reactions are not so helpful, right? But I will give you one example. In the case of my wife and I, we have periodic, honest conversations where we will tell each other how we feel about each other. And sometimes it's not always glowing reviews. 
but we do it in a calm way after a lot of thought and prayer and say, you know, I'm really uncomfortable because you do this and I don't know how to deal with it. Can we work on this, right? Very different than, hey, you're stupid and I don't like you. Very, very, very different, right? So honesty needs to be coupled with self-awareness, okay? Next with accountability, guys and gals. I keep on saying guys, but I mean gals too. Practical way for accountability is all of the things in life, your biggest challenges and the things that excite you the most, those need to be shared with other people because we're connected beings. We call that accountability, but it's merely including other people into the process of life, of going through life. And especially when you're striving to become something other than you are, you need the support of somebody else. Not only because it will help you get there, because it you, now you're like, oh man, this person knows and now I got to do something about it, but because we're meant to share in our struggles. We're not meant to struggle alone. It doesn't make you a hero because you can shoulder the weight of the world. That doesn't make you a hero. What makes you a hero is sharing in this human experience and lifting others when they're down and also reaching out for somebody's hand when you're down yourself. That's what makes you a hero because nobody is without need of others, okay? So accountability is really essential. And I would, I would, in a very practical way, promote the idea that the most urgent and important things in your life should all um, have somebody that knows about it in your life. You should be able to tell somebody. Um, and, and they can help you reach those goals by just you checking in on them, you know, once a day, once a week. Now, grace, you know, has to be understood. There is just... Uh, I was just listening to a couple talking about, you know, their experience with High Noon. And the husband was like, it's my wife's grace that allowed me the opportunity to let go of my self-sabotage because he couldn't forgive her himself and it was his wife that helped him overcome that because he didn't know what forgiveness felt like. He didn't experience it from his parents. He needed to experience it from somewhere so that he could give it to himself. If I told you to draw me a red circle but you had never seen a circle and you didn't know what the color red was, good luck. You're just going to give me some purple banana. I don't know. You're going to give me something weird because you don't have a frame of reference. Same with forgiving yourself. If you don't feel like you've ever been forgiven, then how are you supposed to forgive yourself? So you need to be able to receive it, but that's where honesty is now connected to grace. You see how they're interlinked, these muscle groups? Just like if you have... They say if you really want a, a strong upper body, you need to work out your legs a lot. You need to do squats and things like this because it helps to bring balance because all of your muscles are connected. Same with these five virtues. Honesty and grace are inextricably linked. You have to show somebody who you really are and reveal yourself to another person in order for them to accept you or reject you. And there always is the chance that they might not be able to accept who you are because maybe they have their own stuff to work out. But that's what love is, and that's why love is risky. It's in the divine principle. God risked everything to love Adam and Eve, and they betrayed him. That's the heartbreak of God. That's this story that we've been playing out again and again, is that, yes, love is risky, and honesty is risky, but it's the only way that you can ever experience the love of God. 
okay? So grace has to be preceded by honesty because you can't be forgiven for something that you never admit that you did in the first place. So you got to be honest with yourself and honest with real people. And then grace can flow. So to have somebody in your life where you can have deep, honest conversations with as much as you need, right? Probably not every day. Every day, Oprah can't do what Oprah does. Just cry out. I don't know if Oprah's even alive anymore. I don't know. That's a weird reference. But we don't need to have these deep confessions and tearful conversations every day is the point. But maybe once a week, maybe once a month. To get in touch with that side of yourself and to keep it engaged and alive is fundamental to living a spiritual and emotional life, to be in touch with your deep emotions. Next is integrity. And this one, guys, just to be able to say to yourself that I'm going to do something and that you will do it 100% of the time makes you a powerhouse to yourself. Okay, so I'm traveling a lot, as you know, and because of that, I don't, I don't have like a gym that I can join because where am I today? Who knows? So I can't rely on external environments for my fitness. So what I started doing when I, we were traveling um, Korea and then Japan and then the Philippines was I just started doing 100 push-ups every day and 100 sit-ups every day. It was the one thing that I could guarantee that I could do because even if I was tired, at the end of the day, I would have enough space to do push-ups and sit-ups. And since then, I've, I've ramped it up to 150 because I realized that I, I could do more, so why not? So I think I'm going to keep on kind of ratcheting that up. But what that allows me to do is now when I run, you know, anywhere to go anywhere, I don't have that jiggle in my belly anymore, right? Because I just felt like, you know, that my life was so sporadic. I needed to have still some semblance of integrity, but I couldn't rely on a gym and a hotel because those are all sketchy or whatever. So I just had to figure out what I could commit to and just do that. And even last night, uh, the last 50 that I needed to do, I did at like 11 o'clock at night and I really didn't want to. But I was thinking about those, you know, I was thinking about integrity. I was thinking about how would I feel if I did those 50 push-ups tomorrow? And the answer is, I don't feel magical or special. I just feel like that was the right thing to do. And I did it. And that gives me more power today. So for you to have things that you can clearly commit to in word, expressively writing it down on paper, and ideally now you're connecting accountability to integrity because those muscles are, are definitely connected. It is it's so kind of important to practice getting clear on who you want to be, writing that down, telling somebody about it. Getting clear on who you want to be, writing it down, telling somebody about it. This process alone is one of going from autopilot to taking charge of the ship that is you. Because now you're in control. And day by day, you can get better at identifying who it is that you want to be, writing it out in clear, simple language and telling somebody about it. Now the iteration process is getting tighter and tighter and you are becoming so clear on who you want to be and you're becoming that. And it feels tremendous. Because imagine, you know, when you're starting to paint a picture, I don't know if any of you do art or if you're starting to write a song or whatever, it's usually not so clear what that thing is going to be in the beginning. You're just kind of 
messing around and you're playing around with different techniques. In the case of the painting, different colors. You're looking at the canvas. You're thinking about it. You're looking at other paintings maybe for reference. And then little by little, stroke by stroke, you're creating something. And a lot of times that thing isn't clear until you're halfway done or three quarters done or even further, right? It takes a lot of chiseling away at this project to figure out what it actually is. And even songs, you hear some artists talk about what it, how much effort it took just to write a silly pop song, right? But there's so many elements and things don't quite make sense until they get this one right hook and then boom, it's a hit. You know, th this happens quite often, but it took a year or more just to write that one song. And so same with your journey with, with integrity is when you are practicing getting clear on who it is that you want to be, writing it down and telling somebody, you're starting from a very kind of abstract uh, perspective of what you think you want to be. And it's probably not really who you want to be. It's just the closest thing you know now. And it takes this iterative process of refining who you want to be, writing it down, telling somebody, practicing, doing it again the next day, okay? And the last point is courage. This courage aspect, honestly, is <laughs> uh, when you make a mistake, regardless of how big and tough you think you are, when you make a mistake, there's this little child inside of you that's like, don't tell anybody. Don't worry. Don't, don't, don't. Just, just keep it to yourself. You don't want to get in trouble. They, 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 oh my gosh, you, we're in so much trouble. Oh my gosh, we're in so much trouble. And you start to panic, 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 panic. We've all been there. That is this little coward inside of us that wants us. It's our little, this little kid inside of us who's just immature and cowardish, cowardice, filled with cowardice, right? In order to honestly sit down with somebody and tell them how you feel about them or how you feel about yourself, to even sit down with yourself and have a difficult conversation is the reason why many people don't ever think. They just play video games or they just listen to, or you know, they just uh, watch, you scroll, 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 scroll. They're doing this because they don't want to think about who they are. They don't want to look at themselves with any, any level of honesty. So it takes courage even just to acknowledge that you have problems, but you're a work in progress. Because it's even so kind of uh, weak and, and, and it's, it's a coward move just to say, oh, I suck. Just to, just to kind of take a negative perspective on yourself, that's the coward's way. Because what you're doing is you're waving your white flag and you say, uh, I have no hope. It takes a courageous person to say, I, I, I know I can do better. Because what you're doing right there is you're challenging your ego. Because <laughs> even when you're struggling your brains out, your ego wants to believe that it doesn't need help. That's why so many people, they're struggling their brains out. They're watching porn all the time. Their life is not happy. And yet it's so hard for them to reach out to High Noon and say, hey, I'm struggling with porn. Because even though they have no answers, they don't want to ask for help because that's what our ego does. So in order, to, in order to starve your ego, you must have courage and say, look, it's time that we talk to somebody. It's time that we ask for help. It's time that we have a serious conversation with ourselves. That takes courage. So 
In order to do this, I would highly recommend that you sit down with yourself again and have an honest conversation with yourself. That takes the first level of courage is that. Honesty is sponsored by courage, right? This virtue sponsored by courage. And it takes a huge amount of courage to be honest with somebody else. My God. I remember, but again, when that muscle becomes defined, like in the beginning when I started this journey, my wife and I, I distinctly remember having so many conversations where I would get just as nervous as though I was going to a job interview or I used to do comedy, right? So every time I'd walk on that stage, I'd have this crazy nervous feeling in my stomach. I'd have those same feelings walking into certain conversations with my own wife, right? And we had a great relationship, but then things got difficult for a bit. And then every single conversation was like, so it felt so hard. And it took such courage for us to keep on having more conversations to get to the other side of that difficult feeling in our stomach. And now I honestly don't feel that because we're so used to being honest that it's just natural. I can tell my wife some very, you know, difficult stuff to tell her either about myself or my feelings about her. And I don't get nervous at all because we have a foundation. Our honesty muscles and our courage muscles in terms of our relationship are so well-defined that it's just another day. Okay? So that, those are the virtues. And I just want to let you know, like, when you are exercising a lot, you know, to go to continue with this metaphor, when you're exercising a lot, it actually impacts your posture. You sit straighter because your muscles are are like in your back and all that there, they want to engage. And they, you know, it, it. there's all these residual positive impacts to your health when you start working out. You start having more focus. It produces more dopamine when you work out. There's all these effects. And the same thing is true internally when you start working out these high noon virtue muscles is things get easier in life meaning it's easier to do the hard thing. When you're struggling your brains out and you can't tell your spouse what, what you're really thinking or feeling, then all of life seems hard. It's just like life is just this big old hurricane that's just hard. Every day you're, you're getting tossed around. It's really hard. I've been there. Trust me, I know. And if you're single and you don't, you don't re relate to that, then trust me, it's like, you know, the, the way that you feel about yourself at night when you're alone, we get that. It's very difficult. It's like you, you're feeling all sorts of emotions. You don't quite understand them. All you want them to do is to go away. But when you start leading that high new life, I'm telling you, you can, you can get to the other side of all those feelings. You can understand them. Where are they coming from? What's going on? What are they trying to tell me? And not only that, you can work through them and embrace them. And what you're doing is you're becoming a resilient, disciplined, healthy, fulfilled person who doesn't just have perfect days, but all days are fulfilling because even when difficulties arise, your muscles, your internal muscles are so well-defined that you just deal with them and then you move past them. And that makes you unstoppable. It makes you an unstoppable force in this world. And that's what we want. That's a truly radiant person is somebody who's glowing with God's light and love. And that's where High Noon is taking you. Just please follow this process. Please keep on investing in those internal muscle groups every day. Every day, those High Noon virtues need to be exercised. Not only every day, but all day, every day, as much as you can. 
it never stops. And trust me, after a certain amount, of, I, I sound like Benji, I keep on saying, trust me, trust me. Um, if you keep this up, you would not want to even imagine stopping because life is so fulfilling when those muscles are uh, deeply engaged and, and strong. Okay, that's all I got for you. I'm sorry, I feel like this is a longer episode, but this is the fundamental High Noon 101 super important lesson that I will keep on coming back to because this is the fuel of what will allow you to have the life that you want and ultimately what's going to change our culture as a whole. God bless you guys.